So as I mentioned at the outset, uh, we're trying to establish, or we are establishing a tradition of celebrating the principal feast days that don't happen to fall on a Sunday. For the record, that includes Ascension and All Saints Day. Uh, we want to create on those days a place where a member of St. Peter's can go to worship, even if it's a noonday prayer or something. So it's really important for us to start this. And Epiphany is such a great time to start a tradition like this. Now, there are two traditions around Epiphany. So, also known as Three Kings Day, as you may know it. And each help answer two critical questions that every Christian faces. First is what the manger means. And then second is, what does it mean to find your way to the manger? So what the manger means, what does it mean to find your way to the manger? Now the first tradition, represented in the Magi, the coming to the manger means to celebrate Christ's birth and to offer gifts and thanksgiving. Now this is a tradition that dates back centuries, and in fact, Venerable Bede from the 8th century gave each of the Magi names and colorful descriptions now keep in mind, none of this is factual. None of it's grounded in, in anything besides uh, mythology. One of them was Melchior. I love these names. Melchior, who's the old man with the white hair, and he gives gold reflective of what you would give to a king. Gaspar, who's young, beardless, and ruddy, gives frankincense, which refers to Christ's divinity. And then Balthazar has black skin and a heavy beard, and he gives myrrh, which is reflective of death. Now, I think we're most comfortable culturally with this understanding of epiphany. I mean, we got the cute baby Jesus, we got exotic visitors, we got gifts. As you know, in many parts of the world, this is the big gift-giving day. Just Google Ethiopia Three Kings Day, and you'll see what we mean. Now, this mention of the cute baby Jesus made me think back to the 2006 movie Talladega Nights, starring Will Ferrell and, and John C. Riley. Anyone? Anyone? So. so Ricky, who's the race car driver, played by Ferrell, says, before giving grace, he says, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best when I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to the grown-up Jesus, the teenage Jesus, or the baby Jesus. Then he goes on, dear eight-pound, six-ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't know a word yet, just a little infant, so cuddly, but still omnipotent. Please grant me my prayer. Now, what's interesting is Brother Cal's response for the Jesus he wants is one that I kind of want, too. It's, I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with angels backing him up in the band. So I kind of like that. Now, we're more comfortable with this swaddled baby in a manger, cuddly yet omnipotent, because it doesn't threaten us. Although, does it? I mean, have you been to a stable? It's a messy, muddy place. Who knows what you might step in? Now, the second understanding of Epiphany, and, and I'd argue the more theologically sound interpretation, is that Epiphany is Christ's manifestation to the Gentiles. What's interesting is the three kings, the magi, see him first, and they bow to him. And tonight's Ephesians reading speaks to the Gentiles' heirship to the Christ salvation even more strongly. And more on that in a moment. You see, in the three kings and Herod's, and Herod's response to Jesus, we see both the promise of the manger, 
salvation for all, including Gentiles, including those outside. And we also see the threat of the manger, upsetting the established orthodoxy in all its forms. Herod, Rome, the Jews, all of Jerusalem, and the relationship to the Gentiles. So in a way, this time of year, the manger means a time of upheaval. As we hear later in Matthew, the first is last, and the last is first. And that sounds a little bit like chaos, doesn't it? Doesn't that feel a little familiar, maybe? So what does it mean in the second reading for us to find our way to the manger, this messy, muddy, noisy place, this place of chaos? One thing it means is that it's a place where seekers of all types are welcome. The Magi weren't Christians, weren't Jews. They were outside this, yet they were seekers. And yet they were the first to visit the Christ. It reminds me of something that happened here early in my tenure, probably my first year. Uh, As you may know, we have a Buddhist group that meets over in the parish hall on Monday nights. A neighbor nearby came to me and she was clutching her Bible and said, now, I see that you have this group of, of Buddhists, these non-believers who come to you and, and, and they hold services on Monday in the parish hall. And I said, well, they gather together for contemplation. And, and she said, well, you're bringing them to convert them, right? I said, excuse me? He said, yeah, to convert them. And I said, something along the lines of, I know neither the way the Holy Spirit works nor how it works. I just know that these people are seekers and I am called, we are called to give them a place. Now, what's interesting is uh, this Buddhist group has been the home to several priests in the Episcopal Church. It's their way into us, as well as a canon to the ordinary. So I think we have to understand that seekers of all type may be on on their way to the manger, and who is it for us to judge? It's a place where outsiders, where Gentiles in this case, are the co-heirs, companions, co-partners, in salvation. Now that sounds pretty simple to us today, but it's the closest thing that you might read in this to what might be a racial or ethnic division, because the Jews have been raised to believe that they are the people. They're the ones. They're it. That's it. And here in this amazing switch, the Gentiles are suddenly allowed into this as co-heirs. I don't know about you, but probably the most difficult time in a family's history is when issues around heirship or uh, anything being left after someone's leaving. Uh, and so this, is, this might create a great, as you would expect, might create a great deal of tension. It's important to know that this doesn't mean that the Jews aren't the chosen. It means that we are co-heirs, that we are companions, co-partners in this great process of salvation. And for us as church, we're told in the Ephesians reading that we are to profess the wisdom of God in the rich variety that it is known, and I love that, but God's wisdom is rich variety. It's, it's mystery. It's things that we can't reduce down to the simplest stuff. And so I think you know, that is powerful for us as a church to come together. And church is the means by which God's salvation is happening right here. God's plan for salvation is happening right here and right now in the present. And it's exactly what Ephesians is telling us. So on this night that we come together and celebrate the Epiphany, this wonderful, wonderful time of the year, we can pray to the baby Jesus. We can pray to the teenage Jesus. If you're like me, you can pray to the lead singer of Lynn Skinner, Jesus. Tonight we pray that as church, 
at the, mussy, at the muddy, messy manger that we come together. For unto us a Savior is born. Amen.